Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't just have a, a 10 minute dialogue talking about what's going on and why I'm late. How are you doing? Welcome to Caffeinate. For those that may not know what Caffeinate is, it is a show that I do live right here on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams every single weekday morning at 6 a.m. or at or on Fridays when I sleep in at 6.15 unintentionally. Just gonna Anyways, it is also exported to podcast services around the world afterwards, and on top of that, to youtube.com slash Media. if you did want to give it a look. Um, those that are watching on YouTube get the full gist of everything, because I literally just export the entirety of the stream, so it's all of the... All of the, the craziness and the funness and the and the unintentional, unprofessionalness. Uh, anyways, those aren't words. We have some news stories today that we're going to get into. We are uh, we're talking about the gaming news of the past 24 hours, the stuff that's worth talking about. And I suppose without any more housekeeping, we can go ahead and jump into it. I don't think there's anything that is uh, majorly pressing, so to speak. Not that I, Not that I can think of. Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and I suppose just jump into it. Ubisoft is opening new studios in India and the Ukraine. The story is coming to us from worthplaying.com, a source that I have never heard of in my entire life. Uh, the two studios will participate in the development of new AAA games for some of Ubisoft's biggest franchises and expect to add at least 160 new talents to Ubisoft's creative workforce in the first two years of operation. The new studios demonstrate Ubisoft's commitment to develop engaging and immersive gaming worlds. In addition to the fact that my eyesight sucks, in addition to world class entertainment franchises, they will plug into Ubisoft's cross-studio collaboration approach in which Ubisoft studios from across the globe work together on AAA development games and live operations, with each studio providing distinct contributions based on their areas of expertise. Uh, That's a very exciting little statement, so obviously we're not going to read this entire article. It's a bit much. Um... However, we can read the quote, This year marks the 10th anniversary of Ubisoft's presence in India and in Ukraine. Our commitment to both countries is now strengthened by those expansions to Mumbai and Odessa. Uh, said that person, Christine Burgess Kmard. Nice, nailed it. Executive Director of Ubisoft's Worldwide Studios. I am proud to see how our production presence is growing and strongly believe that it is by investing and expanding our knowledge and expertise intentionally, internally, excuse me, they both go hand in hand, that we will be able to keep delivering the high-quality entertainment experiences of the future. Uh, Mumbai will report directly to Jean-Philippe Pichot, Managing Director of the Poon Studio. What? Sounds like a different kind of planet kind of thing. I'm not familiar with these cities and or countries. The Ubisoft Mumbai team will work closely with Ubisoft Poon, collaborating on the development of Ubisoft's AAA console games. Several senior team members from Poon will also join the new studio in Mumbai to build the local core team and to help new recruits ramp up quickly. Mumbai being one of the biggest cities in the world, the studio will also be able to tap into new national and international talent pools. The studio is looking to recruit up to 100 talents within the two years to focus on hiring programmers and artists. Ubisoft Mumbai will also collaborate with the Indian Institute of Technology, Mumbai, and Intuit Lab, both schools known to train the brightest talents for India. The new studio is scheduled to open this year in June. That's going to be a pretty cool thing. So essentially what we're getting here is more development for Ubisoft because apparently things have been going in their direction. Uh, For those that aren't familiar with what Ubisoft's been working on over the past couple of years, obviously you've got games like Far Cry, you've got games like Rainbow Six Siege, you've got games like uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, you've got games like uh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands that have come out. Uh, Amongst a lot of other things, they've done little things like Grow Home and Grow Up. Uh, There are so many Ubisoft games out there. Assassin's Creed, of course, is one of the biggest franchises. I was playing Black Flag last night on stream. Fantastic time. Enjoyable game. They do really well with the entire of uh, the entirety of the Assassin's Creed franchise. And so, it seems like things are going so well that they're going ahead and putting more resources into actually developing stuff for this 
you know, specific portion of the market. They're going to be doing more entertainment stuff. I think it's very interesting uh, to say that they are uh, committed to develop engaging and immersive game worlds in addition to world-class entertainment franchises. So, does that imply that there's going to be some kind of movie going on? Does that imply that there's going to be some kind of, uh, of television show or maybe a virtual reality experience? Is that kind of what we're getting at uh, with defining the difference between engaging in immersive game worlds and doing something with world-class entertainment franchises? Is that like a defining factor? Uh, and I think that it very well could be. Whenever it comes to how entertainment is treated in 2018, uh, it's one of those si- scenarios and situations and they've made Rayman, says Rasm in the chat, 100%. They've also made Rayman. Again, so many. You know, there, there's just a lot of fantastic games. Um, but when it comes to 2018, an entertainment company is what you want to be whenever you're in the content creation business uh, as far as games go. Because, you know, you can make a game for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC and do great. But what you really want to do is stretch out and really hit every corner of the market. You want to be able to sell that soundtrack. You want to be able to get a movie deal with with Warner Bros. or whoever makes your movie. Uh, you want to be able to reach out and perhaps get some kind of poster deal. And you can do, a, you know, if you, if it's an art game. Uh, you could do a coloring book of something like Grow Home. Maybe you could make some make make some action figures. You know, you have to be able to branch out to every single portion of every single industry and really make that franchise one that isn't isolated only to the gaming universe. And so it sounds like to me, uh, in my interpretation of what's going on within this article, that's pretty much what is going to be happening. Ubisoft is branching out and developing new studios in different places uh, to pretty much just recruit some new experience and try and see what is possible. Uh, Rasm says, so what you're saying is animated Assassin's Creed movie. I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, the beginning of Assassin's Creed Chronicles China and, and, uh, Russia, is that what it was? Russia. And then there was another one. Those were all fairly well animated, um, intros and fairly well animated little games overall. It was very, um, it was a very little impressive title of it. That was Actually, one of the best platformers that Ubisoft's put out uh, in the past couple of years, I would say, the Assassin's Creed Chronicle franchise is a cool little spinoff. It's a very cool little spinoff of what they've got going on over at uh, Ubisoft. So that's exciting stuff. That's fantastic. Um, I would love to see more stuff like Chronicles, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. So it sounds like there's some interesting stuff going on over here with Ubisoft and what's going on in India and the Ukraine uh, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they're going to be working on. Obviously, there's a ton of development going on for the Division 2. Obviously, there's probably some talk of what's going on with Rainbow Six Siege. If not the development of a sequel, more um, more operators, more maps. Uh, probably a lot of stuff going on with the um, competitive side of Rainbow Six Siege, where we don't really know what's going on yet because we can't know. You know, we, we have to be kind of behind the curtain so that they can debut stuff at events and whatnot. Uh, you know, there, there are some areas of a game that you can share with the audience uh, as it is being developed and I don't think the competitive stuff is necessarily one that's one that needs to be hyped up and then really pushed out there pretty much instantaneously for people to really get an experience Uh, but it's also cool because gaming industry jobs you know the more the merrier if you can get some programmers and some uh, some creative minds in there and uh, and take advantage of what they're bringing to the table I think that that is always going to be you know a fantastic advantage for those that are that are uh, looking to push the the uh, the boundaries of the industry and see what's actually capable in 2018. Uh, Rasm says anything's better than the live action Assassin's Creed movie. I guess uh, wasn't Michael Fassbender in that? I never saw it. I don't think anyone else did either. After the first ten came out and said, "Wow, that's a that's a steaming pile of no." 
Um, so we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. But will it make movies, music, maybe mobile games? I suppose maybe mobile ports of whatever they've got going on right now. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it certainly is an exciting time over there at Ubisoft, especially since we talked about yesterday or the day before one of the two where they fought off the um, the acquisition by Vivendi, which is something that I know a ton of people were worried about over there at Ubisoft where they were going to be pretty much taken over by one of the largest entertainment companies. Uh, and no one wanted to do that because they wanted to maintain their independence in order to continue to develop the games that they're passionate about. And that's exactly what we see happen, even though they're now kind of a subsidiary owned partially by Tencent. Not necessarily a subsidiary, but there's there's some money being exchanged. Um, regardless, two new studios, good stuff, can't wait to see what happens. And rolling along to story number two, coming to us from PC Gamer. Uh, this is James Davenport, who says, Fortnite Battle Royale was developed in just two months and wasn't originally free to play. The Arena FPS experts from the Unreal Tournament team were moved over to handle the bulk of the work. Uh, we had just lo- we had just about lost interest in Fortnite, a mildly popular PVE building game, when it launched by September of last year, and then it blew up, becoming one of the most popular games in the world in under six months. Even the Toronto Maple Leafs are all about it, and apparently the catalyst for this dramatic turnaround only took two months to build. That's according to Epic's Zed Zabrist, who dropped some details on the development of Fortnite's ultra-popular BR mode at GDC panel today. We're talk- we started working on this just about the same time Save the World was coming out. He said, two months in development, launched in September, tw- uh, launched in September 26th, on or in, is that a typo? Uh, so let's do some math. Save the World, the PvE game, launched July 21st. Battle Royale comes out on September the 26th. That's a total of just two months in development, most of which had happened between July 25th, Save the World's launch day, and Battle Royale's September 26th launch. Uh, in order to meet the needs of such a quick development cycle while keeping the PvE mode afloat, some arena shooter experts were brought over to do the bulk of the work. And it was the Unreal Tournament team, he says, uh, that popped over to pick up the charge for us and basically put originally what we thought we would... Wait, to pick up the charge for us, to basically put originally what we thought would be a PvP version inside our PvE game. In a close call, Battle Royale was originally going to be part of Save the World, an optional PvP mode designed to satiate players looking for some human competition. Because Save the World is still in paid early access, that means BR could have been stuck behind a $40 wall, which might have slowed its growth significantly. Zopper said it wasn't until the final two weeks of BR's development that the decision to make it free-to-play and separate from Save the World, or separate from Save the World, rather, was made. Nice save. Uh, he says, I doubt any major publisher could have pulled off this kind of pivot in the time we ended up doing it, said Zabrist. Of course, most of the work was already done. Fortnite had been in development since 2011, and as the creators of the Unreal Engine, Epic was one of the best poised studios to pivot like it did, but for a new game mode to be so rapidly developed while offering so much from the game's original, or varying so much from the game's original vision, and to overshadow the original mode to this degree is unprecedented as far as I know. 100%. 100%. This blew my mind uh, to hear that this had been only in development for two months. I expected this to be maybe, maybe six, you know, at the least. I could see it being even just one year of development. Um, but you have to keep in mind that this game, I mean, at one point, one person, Ninja, was playing this and it had over 600 concurrent or 600. <laughs> 600 concurrent viewers, 600 people now. It had over 600,000 concurrent people watching on that one single stream. Essentially, you can find upwards of, across the internet, probably, I would say, about a million people watching the game uh, whenever you take into consideration everybody on Twitch, everybody on Facebook, everybody on Instagram, not really Instagram, but all these other live streaming platforms. 
Uh, when you take this into consideration, I would say at least uh, 700,000, 800,000 at any given time watching the game, taking in gameplay, etc. That's not even counting playing it. There are so many people playing this game and on top of that it got 126 million dollars in revenue in february and it's a free-to-play game you know that's what's mind-boggling about this entire thing is because uh because it's free-to-play because it has this just simplistic factor that is so easy to fall in love with people just went ahead and gave it a shot and they have really really begun to enjoy it um and i don't see this stopping anytime soon i sincerely do believe uh, that Fortnite is on the way up the ladder to become one of the biggest games in history, if it's not already achieved that status. I sincerely believe uh, that it is going to be one of the the pinnacles that we look back on and say, you know, not necessarily in the same way that you have Super Mario Bros., uh, but when you look back and you hear names like um, like Contra, when you look back and you hear names like like uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, when you look back and you hear games uh, like uh, even, I would say, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, obviously some of these are more significant than others, uh, but at the same time, whenever you're looking at what you've got going on with Fortnite, there's no denying that it's a very impressive title. It is simply just an impressive game, uh, and if you aren't blown away by the fact that it has achieved this level of success, then there's just something not connected for you. It is crazy to hear that a game was in development for essentially two months obviously the assets were there as the article says uh, for many years before but the game itself was constructed in around two months that's a very small amount of time so congratulations to the guys over there at epic that put in the work congratulations to those that came over from the unreal tournament team to really work on um work on what was going on with <clears throat> the uh, fortnite battle royale mode because they have literally changed the entire direction of Epic. I heard that I think somewhere around 90% of the people, don't quote me on that, were working on Fortnite over there at Epic. That's that's when you know you've made a difference. That's when you know you've made an impact. And, um, and I sincerely believe that that is something that is going to be a lasting impression, especially on Epic as a company, because, I mean, when it comes down to it, Fortnite killed Paragon. You know, Paragon was this beautiful game that was uh, essentially a lane-based sort of MOBA uh, kind of setup. It was a very interesting kind of game uh, from a different perspective that you wouldn't really expect, and it really was taking off. It was doing okay, but essentially, whenever Fortnite took off, it just eclipsed everything that Paragon had going for it. They shut down the development of the game. They have given the assets away for free, a $12 million packet of assets given away for free to developers to use. Um, there are so many benefits that are coming from what Fortnite is doing because Paragon would have been fine, but it really wouldn't have gone anywhere. And um, Epic had the audacity to give back all that money and say, we don't need it anymore. You know, we have Fortnite. Thank you for the supporting Paragon. But hey, we've got our new we've got our new Mac Daddy that we can focus on instead of having to focus on what we've got going on with this little small, this little small peanut of a game. And so, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a a little bit of a side discussion. But uh, it's very cool to see that BR is doing so well with Fortnite. BR is doing so well overall, and I think that the future for Epic is going to be very, very bright. Moving along to the PlayStation blog, God of War has gone gold, a message from Corey Barlog, the creative director of Santa Monica Studios. New vision for God of War reflects on the journey that has led them to this point. Um, we'll read this a little bit. God of War is gold, baby. Getting Going gold is an important milestone for a game. In fact, it's one of the two, big two, really, 
you have to get greenlit which kicks off the real development of your title and going gold as the two most important milestones in game development cycle the latter is the rite of passage that lets the team and more importantly the world know that the game's development is pretty much complete all that remains is manufacturing and shipping uh portions of the process so um there's really nothing more to this story you know you can go back and um that was a really southern way of saying back you can go in the description box down below if you are on youtube or you can give it to google to uh blog.us.playstation.com slash 2018-03-22 God of War has gone gold message from Corey Barlog. Put a whole bunch of little dashes in there. That'll find you this article. Uh, but essentially what happened is God of War is done. God of War has been completed. It is finished. We are moving along. It's We're good. Uh, so there is no more chance of a delay. There is no more putting the game off until two weeks from now, three weeks from now, unless there's something that goes wrong with production, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, God of War is complete. Uh, now, of course, over the past couple of weeks, we have been talking a little bit about God of War. We've checked out some gameplay here on Caffeinate. Uh, we have been looking and seeing what the game is bringing to the table. And I must say, uh, it is a far cry from anything we have seen before uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, a God of War game. It is not the hack and slash that you're used to. It is not uh, something that resembles a God of War that we've seen before. It's essentially... Uh, when it comes down to it, a brand new kind of game that really is a game changer. Uh, I think this is going to change what we know about God of War to the point that it's going to it's going to influence um, everything from where the franchise goes to what other games do in response to it. I believe, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, and I think you can see this in the gameplay, that games like Darksiders, games like um, pretty much Darksiders, and, uh, and that's pretty much it for me. That's the only one that comes to mind. I feel like Darksiders is heavily influenced by God of War. And so, you know, whenever you have an influential title coming into the mix, what kind of games are we going to get because God of War is going to be, and it is going to be, so successful? Uh, I think that's an interesting thought to dwell on. I think that's something worth considering. And it's something that without, you know, without even having to be said directly, uh, is incredibly intriguing. Also, I love the fact that this is on some kind of really... I don't know if this is this is the only version of the game that you have, but I feel like I would back this up to more than just one CD that we see right here. Uh, but it's cool to see the entire development team right there, you know, hanging out, having a good time. It's great to be able to uh, appreciate all these people for the incredible work that they're doing. So to all these people that are right here that have uh, been working on God of War, congratulations. Razm in the chat says it's going to be epic. 100% it is going to be epic. And I've also heard that it's going to be a bit longer uh, than the standard kind of game. More than likely, what's going to happen for me is that whenever God of War comes out on 420 2018, I'll probably run by Redbox and I'll rent it for about three days, and that's all I'll play. Uh, I'm going to be going straight through God of War because once you finish the campaign, I don't see there being any kind of uh, you know real real draw to go back to it again once you've uh, once you've finished it. Obviously, it's going to be one of the uh, the pinnacles of the year, I would say. So I feel compelled to play one on day one. Uh, but you know, as a college student. Money is not a luxury that I have in abundance necessarily to blow on $60 games that are one playthrough games. So about 30 to 40 hours, I think. We can finish that in a couple of days, maybe a week or so. And uh, and yeah, I can spend I can spend some money on Redbox because, you know, bolster that economy. Rental rentals, baby. I miss Blockbuster. But um So congratulations to the team. Good show, good show, good sir. And moving along, for those that are in the European PlayStation Store region, you have an Easter sale that is going on. 
The annual PlayStation Easter sale has begun, says Sarif Saeed from VG247 on the European PlayStation Store. Easter sales in the PlayStation Store are typically busy, and this one is no exception. This year's deals kick off this week with discounts up to 68% off. The lineup of discounted games is massive and features PS4 and PSVR games, most prominently with a few PS3 and Vita deals as well. Almost all big games released this year include including Call of Duty World War II, NBA 2K18, Assassin's Creed Origins, Ghost Recon Wildlands, Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, and... Star Wars Battlefront 2. You'll also find the typical assortment of popular games like GTA 5, Battlefield 1, Watch Dogs 2, Mortal Kombat X, and several others. The Easter sale includes several season passes and DLC packs too, so it's a good time to catch up on all add-ons for some of your games. Uh, Most deals are available until April 12th, though some like FIFA 18 are only available until April 5th. Do be warned though, not all deals are available everywhere. Uh, You can check out the full list at the PlayStation Store's sale portal. Uh, We've included some of our favorites down below. And just going through this and checking out what they're bringing to the table, I see Skyrim Special Edition for 15 I believe that's a pound. I'm going to say that's a pound. Again, this is not my area of expertise. When it comes to these little diddles and whatnot, let's see, what is the... No, I'm not going to Google it. Um... But yes, Skyrim Special Edition, fifteen ninety nine pounds. I guess it's uh, is that is that pence? Maybe uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, you get the Battlefield One Revolution Edition for fifteen, the same price. You've got uh, let's see what else we have. Wolfenstein Two for twenty. Uh, Doom for eight ninety nine. Hell yeah, that's a great deal. Doom is fantastic. Uh, For Honor, $15.99. I would probably stay away from that one. The Division, fifteen ninety nine. Unless it comes with all the DLC, I would I would go ahead and. Uh, and and back off but also at the end right here in this little diddle this little mention uh if you're in america don't fret though no similar sale is currently running on the store sony is offering everyone who would watch this video a 20 percent off discount code that's a pretty major little discount you know if you've got uh if you've got a game that's coming out that is that is 60 dollars you could potentially get it for $48 if you did watch this video and get that 20% discount, if I did my math correctly. So go watch that video if you're in America. Get that discount. If you are in the European PlayStation Store, take advantage of this sale because I'm incredibly jealous of it. It looks fantastic. Um, although I would stay away from Assassin's Creed Origins for 32 That's a bit a bit high for that game. I think that... Um, I think that's more of a $20, $25 title for me. Though, the game's gorgeous. You know, I bought it for 60 and I'm not like... I'm not upset about it or anything. I'm not. I'm not busting my hump over it. It's. It's a pretty solid game. I must admit. Uh, though, with that being said, I suppose we'll move along. Move along just to make it through to this story from Gamespot that says PUBG Mobile tops Fortnite claims number one spot on the App Store and Google Play. PUBG is already popular on mobile. To no one's surprise, this is coming to us again from GameSpot. PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds has been a phenomenal success on PC since it first launched in early access last year, and it's proving to be quite popular on mobile as well. Uh, the BR game came. The BR game is already topping the charts. PUBG Mobile has already reached number one on both Google Play and the App Store, dethroning the mobile version of Fortnite Battle Royale, which was previously sitting at number one on the latter's free app chart. This is an impressive debut, considering the game launched by surprise earlier this week, following a few rounds of beta tests restricted to Canada. Unlike the mobile version of Fortnite, PUBG Mobile is available to all players with an iOS or Android device, which has undoubtedly played a part in its quick ascent to the top of the charts. Currently, only select iOS users have been ex- uh, given access to Fortnite, as players have to sign up for a chance to take part in the game's invite-only test. It also helps that PUBG Mobile can be downloaded for free, unlike the PC or Xbox One versions, both of which must be purchased. If you are interested in jumping onto PC or onto PUBG Mobile, or onto PC Mobile, you ought to pay for PC, but you can jump onto mobile for free. 
iOS users can grab the game here, while those with an Android device can download it here. The games feature the same 100-player experience as on PC and Xbox One and work surprisingly well on mobile. However, if you find yourself having considerably more success in the mobile version, it's likely because you're playing against bots. Um, so, there's a lot to break down here. Number one... You can play all of these games on phones, which is mind-boggling. Fortnite and PUBG are both on phones, and I've played both. The experiences are fairly decent. Um, whenever I got into PUBG, I had some trouble getting into a match. Um, I'm not sure if that was because of the connection that I was on or if it was because of something on their end with servers. But the Fortnite version of, uh, of um, or the mobile version of Fortnite is essentially the exact same thing as playing... Uh, on PC, obviously the frame rate is a little bit lower. Obviously, it's not quite so hyped up and um, and uh, and looking as beautiful as the PC version of the game. But uh, when you put it head to head against what's going on with the console version of the game, especially, it's very hard to actually you know tell a difference. The textures are a little bit lesser. You know, the game looks a little bit downgraded, but at the same time, it looks good enough. You know, to be played on mobile, it looks fantastic. It runs very smoothly. Uh, the controls are obviously not as not as smooth as playing on a PC or a PlayStation. 4 or whatever but it still looks fairly decent and um and there are a ton of people playing it so that's exciting as well uh PUBG on the other hand looks relatively graphically downgraded you know as you would expect PUBG is more of a realistic game that brings a lot more assets to the table but I will say that the fact is neither of these games neither of these games however you want to say it would exist on mobile without the addition of the um the epic uh the epic unreal engine you know uh, unreal 4 is really what brings this this to the table and what really makes this work and so i feel like there should be some kind of pat on the back whoever the engineers over at um whoever their engineers are over at epic for creating this game that works so well on mobile so well on pc so well on ps4 and xbox one or in the case of PUBG, xbox one and pc only uh, it's just incredible to see both of these games taking off and being as incredible as they are. And with uh, that being said, congratulations to both games and the teams behind them for creating uh, pretty much the back-to-back, you know, best and most downloaded games on the mobile app stores. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that not everyone can play this. Uh, as we said, there are some factors that go into the success. PUBG is free to play 100% for everyone. Uh, on the other hand, Fortnite is one of those games where you have to uh, to do a little a little sign up. And then on top of that, once you get into the actual invite test, then you have three codes to give out. And uh, I have a couple of codes left. I might give those out on Twitter or something later on today. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think that might be fun, or maybe tonight on stream we'll give it a good, we'll give it a good give out, uh, and I, I think that might be pretty fun. Uh, but that's pretty much the gist of what we've got going on here. Congratulations to the team over there that is uh, that is behind these, or, or that are behind the, the teams that are behind these apps. I can't think this morning, man. I need more coffee. Uh, moving along to. A story from Rolling Stone's little Glixel division, which is essentially the video game destination uh, for Rolling Stone. It's a pretty good little thing. It opened a couple of years back, I think. I did a, a big video on it. But Sea of Thieves reached 1 million players in its first 48 hours. Obviously, this is causing some issues. Online pirate game Sea of Thieves launched this weekend. It's seeing an unprecedented number of players. More than 1 million people joined the game in its first 48 hours, developer Rare said in a launch status update video yesterday. The number of people signing in to digitally pillage and plunder on the high seas is massive compared to the amount that was participated in the game's beta test, Rare said. At one point, the game service engineer said players were logging on at a rate of 5,000 per minute. Sea of Thieves is one of the first Microsoft 
exclusives offered under the Xbox Game Pass program and could be contributing to its high player numbers. Xbox Games Pass is a monthly subscription service that lets people play certain titles for free. That means members can try out Sea of Thieves without making a $60 purchase first. Uh, naturally, Sea of Thieves is experiencing, experiencing some launch pains due to the high demand. Rare said it's aware of the problems some players are currently having and it's working on them. We felt this is a good opportunity to get out in front of you as people have supported us, our community, our players, and really talk to you about what some of those issues are, what the team's doing, said Rare Studio head Craig Duncan. This is the first update of this kind, but we wanted to be continually updating our community on a regular basis with what the top issues are and what we are seeing and what kind of actions we're taking, said Sea of Thieves executive producer Joe neat. Uh, right now, the game's biggest issue is apparently server loads during peak time, which is around 9 p.m. in Europe. That's also when people in the eastern and western U.S. are also coming online in the late afternoon slash early evening. As a temporary fix, Rare suggests joining a galleon crew if you are originally tried queuing up solo. Uh, the game apparently matched people with crews first, then matches crews with servers. By joining a crew, players can bypass the server queue and join a session already in progress. So that's pretty much what we've got with... Um, with Sea of Thieves, it's been a rough launch for the game. I'm not going to lie; it has been one of those experiences to watch and uh, and kind of sit back and see and uh, and just view this team that is overwhelmed and surprised by the amount of of people actually playing their game. And I do think that the Games Pass plays a pretty large part in the fact that we do have um, that we do have a ton of uh, that's strange that we do have a ton. Of, uh, of people playing this game that were not expected to be playing this game. You know, it's, it wasn't one of those things where we thought we were going to have a million players playing Sea of Thieves. It simply happened. So um, it's also worth mentioning that there have been a plethora of streamers playing this game, and I think that also plays a major part in the fact that, um, that this game is taking off and becoming so dang popular. Uh, whenever you have streamers playing that, and whenever you have YouTubers checking it out, it's going to be a big, big release. People don't just check out games on this scale uh, without getting truly invested in the game and signing up for it. So, uh, you know, whenever you have pretty much some of the top tier streamers on Twitch checking out Sea of Thieves, uh, whenever you have it actually being, I believe, the number one spot, if not the number two spot uh, in the United States for games that were streamed, it was hitting some relatively impressive numbers. And uh, to go ahead and 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 predict that that game is going to have a million people playing it in the first 48 hours, that's not shocking to me at all, and I feel like it should have probably been accounted for. Um, we're going to go ahead and roll into the next story, and it's kind of one of those things where I wanted to mention it. Sea of Thieves, though, is not getting the best of reviews. Uh, according to Polygon, they said, Sea of Thieves review, life as a pirate starts strong, and then you enter the doldrums. Um, essentially, it got a score of 6.5. It's for Windows and Xbox One, but... Uh, when it comes down to it, they're talking about how the game shapes up, etc., etc., and so it has a good beginning to it. It is a beautiful game. It's one that is very engaging. It's one that is exciting, etc., but when it comes down to it, the the overall experience is relatively hollow if you are just simply, you know, strolling around playing solo queues in a solo life doing, you know, solo pirating. It's not going to have the same kind of appeal as somebody who has an entire crew that they're coming online with. So, um, that's pretty much reflected in what they said over at VG247, who said, See if these review an ocean of possibility, but nothing below the surface. It's very, it's a complex thing because obviously, whenever you have screenshots like this, I know you can't see it very well, uh, but when you have screenshots like this, when you have screenshots like this, these are beautiful screenshots that show off a really impressive game technically. You know, it is just a really impressive game. However, there is no depth to it. There is no story. There is no there is no real uh, you know uh, path to success. There are no quests aside from what is just uh, essentially 
um, going and fetching stuff for certain people, trying to upgrade your reputation with merchants and whatnot. That's the kind of stuff you're going to be doing in Sea of Thieves, and some people simply wouldn't want that. You know, it's not going to be the game for everyone. However, it's the experiences made within these built-in experiences where you're playing with friends and you might run across another crew and you take their ship, you take all their loot, and you have eight eight chests. They might have been out doing a whole bunch of quests and then all of them die and you have all of that loot. It's the experiences that are made through the experience itself that is really impactful, that is the game changer, etc. That's what really matters here. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of what you should be expecting when you're going in to see if Thieves. I definitely don't think that it's going to be one of those games that has a longevity. I don't think it's going to be around for a long, long time. I think this probably has a shelf life of, at max, about two or three weeks. I don't think Sea of Thieves is going to be one of those games that goes down in history as one, or at least even goes down in the year, as one of the pinnacles. I just simply don't see it happening. But it very well could. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if it did. But we'll just have to wait and see what exactly happens with this one. However, again, I'm betting maybe two or three weeks until there's a price drop. Um, I was in a chat, and uh, they were playing Sea of Thieves. They were talking about it. They were shooting the shit, you know, talking about how the game was being received, how the game played, etc. And somebody had a really good point and said, this should not have been a $60 game. If Sea of Thieves had been 40 bucks, I would have bought it for the textures of the ocean alone and the physics of how the waves move and just the water in this game is beautiful. I would have bought this game if it had been 40 bucks, but 60 is a little bit much. Even though it's not that big of a jump, 60 is still a lot of money and it's uh, it's a big number on paper as well. So if Rare had made this 40 bucks, I feel like even more people would have played it. But if they're having trouble with their servers, if they're having trouble with their servers, you know, with the amount of people they've got, perhaps it's a good thing that it was 60 bucks. Now, the question for me here is what are they going to be doing with this money? You know, what what are they going to be doing with the the funding that was gotten from this game? Because obviously there's going to be a ton of revenue coming in from this. What are they going to be developing next? Uh, this version of Rare, you know, th- this studio that we're looking at right here, is a far cry in comparison to what we saw in the past um, with some of their biggest games, you know, previously. And so... With this new direction, with this new thing they're trying, where are they going next? And that's just the exciting question that I feel like we have to leave with. You know, that's pretty much what we've got. Uh, But that pretty much wraps it up for today's episode of Caffeinate. I pushed the wrong button. If you've enjoyed this episode on the Twitch live stream, drop me a follow. If you're listening to podcast services, please, by all means, leave it a rating on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you might be listening to it, uh, wherever it's available. I know it's on Pocket Cast. I think it's on Overcast. It's rolling out gradually uh, to a lot of different services, so keep an eye out if it's not on your favorite yet. Uh, If you're on YouTube, drop me a like down below if you enjoyed the video, and be sure to check out everything whenever I do live stream it on twitch.tv slash thesamueladams. I'm going to be doing a lot more work over here. It's been a turbulent week for me as far as content creation goes, but it's one that I've learned a lot from, so we're going to be going ahead and continuing it. Uh, As of right now, I actually have to go ahead and head off. I've got class because essentially I'm just a college student that talks about video games on the internet. So, you know, we have to take that into consideration. I have to go get some things done, make sure that all my papers and whatnot. I mean, it's really a, it's a a crazy life. It's a pirate's life, yark. Um, But yes, thank you guys for watching. I will talk to you guys soon and have a beautiful, beautiful Friday. And I will see you on Monday for the next episode of Caffeinate. Unless... You choose to catch some of the live streams and other content that rolls out over the course of the next few days. But with that being said, have a good one. Peace.